Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. I'm so thrilled that you joined us again this week. This is Gerald here with you, of course. And I got to bring in a guest host like I do every single week, a, another P on the pod. And this week it's exciting because it's a guy that I've been friendly with online for a few years now and got a little piece of information I want to share with my listeners that this guy has a lot to do with from last year's live stream for The Cure. But it's also exciting because he's a first-time guest on the show. He's never been on two Ps before, so I'm thrilled to have him. But let's say what's up to Phil Rude. What's up, dude? How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm good, man. It's good to be here. I'm uh, same. I I've known about you, and I know the first iteration of this show uh, for a long time. It was kind of feel like we've danced around each other for a few years yeah. and kind of crossed over at a couple points. But um, it's good to finally sit down and do a show with you, man. Yeah, same here, man. I, I love having first time guests on and it's always like really weird to me when it's somebody like yourself that I'm like so familiar with and I'm like, have they never been on the show? Because I've been <laughs> doing it for almost seven years, but it turns out that you haven't, even though we've kind of been on the mic together and different stuff, yeah. uh, predominantly with live stream for the cure. But what I wanted to tell everyone, so <laughs> we had a great time last year. It was. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Live Street for the Cure is an awesome event that we do every year. I help put on with Nick over there, and it's to raise money for cancer research. And for those of you that don't know, it's every May. And this past year, Phil uh, saw to it to entice the listeners and the viewers to maybe donate some more money. What did you do, Phil? And also, where did that <laughs> original end up? Because I know who has that. Uh, yeah, uh, Drew actually has the original. We'll get around to that. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what kicked it off, but there was something about hitting a certain goal. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you what the dollar amount was. And during that segment, Titanic had come up a couple of times. And mm. I believe in the chat, I just said, if you hit the, if we hit the goal, uh, by the end of this segment, I will draw Gerald uh in the same way that rose from titanic was drawn uh like one of the french girls and uh yeah. lo and behold that blew that that uh fundraising mm -hmm. goal out yeah uh, you did it and so, our mutual and friend drew from real feels uh for some reason has it, <laughs> and uh, has he, it he did it because we set a we set a goal the next day i was on with uh heather welch from uh -huh. um uh sunshine and power cuts yeah. And uh, we said, well, if our segment hits this dollar amount, uh, then, you know, the high bidder will get that in. And Drew uh, snatched He swooped down on top of that yeah. uh, like like it was uh, raw meat. And he was a tiger. Wow. He, he wanted that. I like to think it's it's hanging in his house with a velvet rope around it. And he uh, he shows everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think it might be in his podcast space, which is strange, but uh, it's fine. I love Drew. So if anybody if anybody was going to display that, I guess he's the best person to do so. It seems appropriate. But, you know, I didn't yeah. really have the beard then either. So you might have to update it. Yeah, we may know? have to do something uh, this year. Because I feel like last year I just had kind of the five o'clock shadow thing going, you know. 
Yeah, I'll have to. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to take a look back at that and and compare. <laughs> oh man, but you're such a sport for doing that. Thanks so much. And oh, I, I'm not the one who was naked uh, on the uh, on the adult. That's <laughs> accurate. That's uh, accurate. I just want everybody to know I did not pose for that. He did that, you know, based on memory from video theme and whatnot. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> I didn't pose for that. Talking about how much we we no mutual people live stream from the for the cure is the thing that always makes me realize like what a small space the co- podcasting space is yeah because it's like well i know gerald i kind of knew i knew who nick was but then it's like oh gerald and nick they put on this event uh and you know gerald knows uh my buddy travis tv's travis and he yep, knows sure. brandon cruz and i know that you know and and right. Kate from Ignorance was Bliss. And all, there's all this crossover when you get to these big events. Right. And you just kind of go, oh, yeah, there's so many mutuals. It's such a small space that you do run into people eventually. Yeah. And everybody's so supportive, too, which is great. Yeah, it's you a, know, it's a great community, for sure. You'll be like, oh, you know, everybody's lifting everybody up. And, you know, especially when you have a show like mine, a format like mine, I mean, I have to have somebody in here every week. So... It's cool right, to get people to right. come in and, and help out. And uh, now you're a part of that family too, which I'm, I love. I'm thrilled. So tell them real quick, man, before we dive into the top five tonight, um, a little bit about your show, because like I said, you're a first time guest, but you're doing the picture show now, right? So just yeah. tell people a little bit about what that is and where they can find it real quick. Uh, the picture show with Austin and Phil Rude is a show I do with my son, Austin. He's uh, in his early 20s. Uh, so we have, it's, it's kind of an interesting to do a show with someone, uh, that he and I have, have always talked about movies since he was a little mm-hmm. kid. He, he, I'm a huge movie fan and he got into it and, you know, doing the real movie nerd thing of breaking things down and analyzing everything. And, uh, so eventually we just put a microphone in front of us. Uh, but it's, it, I love doing it with him because it just comes so natural. And also we have a weird generation gap in there. That, uh, you know, for instance, our latest episode is about the Blues Brothers, which was a staple movie for me growing up that he had never heard of or was aware of its existence. So it was, I mean, just coming at it from two different places totally. And uh, and we have a lot of fun doing that. We've been doing yeah. that for two and a half, almost three years now. That's great. So when you started it, was he in high school? Uh, no, he was, I think... 19. Okay. Let me let me do my math here. Yeah, uh, it was uh, about 19. And mm-hmm. uh, we just kind of started it on a whim uh, with a movie that will show up on a list tonight. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, uh, right. Yeah, and, and you can find that wherever you get uh, podcasts, all the usual places. Uh, uh, but just check it out. It's a lot of random movies, a lot of stuff. We alternate back and forth, bringing them to the show. We're currently doing a season of double features where I'll bring a movie and then he'll pick one that he thinks complements it. And then we'll switch okay. and, and we do a lot of theme stuff like that. I love that. I love that. And, you know, I, as few things as special as like sharing movies and music with your kids, you know, and kind of introducing oh, yeah. them to stuff that you love and really vice versa too. Like, you know, if there's stuff they're into and they share it with you and hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Uh, really cool, man. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, my son is nine. He'll be 10 this year. 
And I'm envious oh, of, of that. And my daughter's 21 and she's in film school. And I like to think I have a oh, little cool. bit to do with that. Yeah. Her, lo- yeah. her love of movies. Cause we, you know, over the years we've shared movies together and talk about them all the time. So I think it's a really cool concept. Did Austin have anything to do with this list? Did you tell him what was going on tonight? I made a, a big list of contenders and started narrowing it down. And then yeah. I did ask him, uh, for suggestions had dinner with him and my wife the other night and said you know is there anything i'm missing here and they threw a couple in um okay and then uh yeah i just kind of went over it with him before i got on the mic here and was like what do you think of these and you know uh we have a lot of the similar taste and uh you know whatever our differences are it was the same thing because i introduced him to a lot of like my favorite stuff when he was you know your son's nine you're getting into that fun age where it's like yeah, Ghostbusters exactly. in a couple of years, you can yeah. start with some of the John Carpenter stuff and you know, exactly. like it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's really, yeah, and, really a fun time. And my wife's a little more lenient too. Like we just went to see 65 with Adam driver last weekend because the dinosaurs, you know, oh, yeah. and yeah. Uh, tomorrow night we're going to see Shazam too. You know, even though they're PG 13, cool. he's kind of like in that age, sure. where it's pretty safe for the most part. So, yeah. So tell everyone, Phil, uh, thanks so much for being here, man. And and guys, make sure all of his information is going to be in the show notes. Make sure you check Phil out in Austin and, and go look up their show as well. Now, we do a top five show here, Phil. Tell everyone what the top five list is tonight, buddy. Uh, top five movie plot twists. There you go. Now, I just want to give a caveat before we dive in any further. There will be spoilers galore on this episode. <laughs> uh, anyone listening, I don't know what Phil's picks are. He doesn't know what my picks are. But I can assure you that the five movies that I have on my list, plus honorable mentions, there are heavy plot devices that will be spoiled if you have not seen the movie. And I assume Phil's list is going to be much like that as well. Yes. So just spoiler alert up top. Now, uh, Phil, before we dive into our fives here. So without giving any of your titles away, uh, tell me a little bit about your research for this. When we kind of settled on this topic, did you kind of know right away which ones you wanted to mention or did you have to kind of refresh your memory a little bit? I had a few that, you know, there's a lot, I think, that I can't imagine some people don't come to mind with these immediately. But, uh, yeah, there's a few that I was like, oh, these are these are good. These are kicking off the list. And then it was just sort of let me think about it a little bit more. And then you do the thing where you Google like movies with plot twists and you just see what weird IMDB list comes up or, mm-hmm, sure, or whatever. Yeah. And you just sort of, you know, pick through that. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's one I hadn't thought of. I'm like, nah, that doesn't belong on this list at all or whatever. Sure. But yeah, I've, I've kicked this list around the block for the past couple of days, just trying, honestly trying to narrow it to the five Yeah, is, is really the it's hard tough. part because yeah, there's a lot of these that I really love. Yeah, you don't want to leave. You don't want to leave them out if if there's some of your faves. It's a tough thing I do every week, man. I don't know why I do this to myself. Yeah, yeah you really do torture <laughs> yourself, man. <laughs> but look, when I was coming up with my list, man, there's a few that jumped out to me right away, and they actually ended up being my top three. Really, the first three that I thought of, and I stuck with those. Cool. Um, now, this episode that I'm doing with you, Phil, is a couple weeks removed from an episode I did called uh, "Our Top Five WTF Moments in Film." Okay. So I wanted to kind of keep that list separate so I didn't repeat any of those. Um, there's one in particular that was on that list that is arguably one of the greatest movie plot twists of all time. 
I'm not sure if you're going to bring it up. Uh, if not, I'll bring it up in my honorable mentions, but I didn't want to list that one because it was in my WTF episode that I just did. So I'm kind of tiptoeing around a couple yeah, different picks yeah. and trying to get creative to not have a ton of crossover and episodes so close together. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see what we do, man. You know, uh, I assume all of yours are ones that you didn't see coming the first time you saw it, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, the big criteria for what I wanted was something that kind of recontextualizes the entire movie once it's revealed. Mm -hmm. it, it sort of changes everything yeah. we've seen up until then or, or yeah. the context for it. So, um, yeah, yeah I, that's that's really kind of what I was aiming for as opposed to just the shock value moment or, or sure. something like that. You know? Sure. Yeah. It sounds like we had similar criteria. I know yeah. for sure that and I'm sitting here looking at it on my other monitor here. And I'll tell us, tell you that all of these like floored me the first time I saw them. Like they were yeah. literally like, Oh my God. And you're right where it does just kind of twist literally the plot to where it's like not the same movie. Right. Uh, that you thought you were watching prior. I to can it. remember um, sitting in a theater after a movie ended, just kind of just soaking in what I had just seen. You know what I mean? Like that kind of, right blow your mind kind of reaction to it yeah like oh my god yeah yeah no for sure it, it just it did something to me the first time i saw it so i decided to be true to the, my to my memory there and put those in my list so we're gonna do our top five movie plot twist with phil rude first time guest thanks so much for being here again brother i really appreciate it oh i'm gonna let you me. get us started man. absolutely man i'm gonna let you get us started what is your number five plot twist my number five, I chose uh, the 2016 Denny Villeneuve movie Arrival. Yeah, you um, did. That's a that's a unbelievable sci-fi movie. Austin and I covered it uh, uh, last season. We did a whole season of sci-fi movies, and we kind of had to cut ourselves off at a certain point because we could just talk and pull that movie apart for yeah. days and days. Um, the whole end where you understand that time is a circle and uh, and she's grieving events that have not happened yet. And right. it, it, it just sets the entire thing back to the beginning in a way that it, it makes you want to immediately sit down and watch the movie yep. end to end again and, and watch you watch it through such a different lens your second time around. Yeah, I was uh, going to say this Renner, is a movie that I'm sorry yeah. to mean to interrupt you. I was say this is a movie that you just have you got to rewatch it. I mean, you absolutely have to because you're just like. And there'll probably be a couple other ones that'll come up that fit that criteria too. But it's yeah. like, it just demands like, oh my God, I have to see that again. Like to catch whatever you obviously missed the first time around. Right. Yeah. But go ahead. I'm sorry. It's just, I, I love the, the atmosphere of the movie. It looks amazing. Jeremy Renner, Amy Adams, both great in that movie. Mm -hmm. uh, just the whole thing. It's, it's so much more than the plot twist. You know what I mean? It's just such a, a well-made movie. Uh, which was another one of my criteria of of this is I I want legitimately great movies that that I love, and right. this this fits it a hundred percent. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's the, the thing I run into. I almost didn't want to put this on my list because this movie is so hard to talk about because yeah. of like what you said. Like you just have to see it. I can't yeah. explain to you what's great about this movie or even the mechanics of the the time language because it's so high concept and weird yeah. uh, and beautiful at the same time, but you almost have to experience it. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, great pick. It was one that I considered and I, I thought about it, but it didn't end up making my list. But I do love this movie. Also, a little caveat. We just recently did our top five Oscar snubs, the worst snubs of all time. And Amy, Amy Adams for this movie is up there for me. Amy Adams is so great that it, yeah. it is like, how does she not, you know, grab something for this? Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe it. So good in, the, in that movie and really in her career period, but uh, for sure. probably... Probably her best performance or probably like top three best performances of it's hers. It's the one that connects with me the most, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So great pick. So Arrivals, your number five. Yes, sir. My number five, I decided to go with it because now it, it could be seen problematic to even talk about this person. Uh, I'm not going to mention their real name because I just, he's an asshole. But it's the twist in The Usual Suspects. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. From 1995, Brian Singer, just a great like crime thriller, and the the twist at the end of the movie when we um, discover who Kaiser Sose is, who we had our unreliable narrator the entire yes. movie, uh, Verbal Kent, and again I won't mention the actor's name, but aside from who the actor is, I did not see this coming. It was so creative how verbal was telling the story in the police station throughout the duration of the movie with you know with the assist assistance of flashbacks and stuff like that and then the way it all kind of ties together as a mystery for us almost as the investigators on the different things that he was just basically pulling from the room to like yeah. fabricate his story it's all on the bulletin board yeah and you just sit there and you go wait a second what <laughs> and you're you're like and it's filmed beautifully to where it just kind of intertwines all that stuff. And you're just literally, it's one of those movies where you literally just sit there at the end and you go, oh my God, like, how did I not see yeah. that? It was right, literally right in front of me. You know, it's almost like you hear some of these filmmakers who they'll like put like the plot twist or the little plot devices in like the opening credits, you know, oh, yeah. like to yeah. kind of like hint to stuff that's going to happen, but you don't catch it because you don't know what you're watching it. Uh, but this one, it was like literally is in the room it's where he there. was. Yeah. yeah. Every time that it cut to him in the room as a witness or whatever being questioned, everything's right there for you to to kind of put the pieces together. But you just don't do it because we don't really watch movies like that. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it was genius. And it's remained one of the best movie endings, one of the best plot twists, in my opinion. So, and I, yeah, I, it's, I love it's a great one. It hit at the right time, too, because this was 1995. Yeah. And I've all and I've often said between like the years 94 and 96, maybe 97 is really when I became just like a cinephile. So everything that came out like in that three year period uh, that I saw in the theater, which this one was one of them, I just have such fond memories of it just stuck with me. Sure. And especially a plot twist like this. But what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that my favorite thing in that movie is when they go to arrest Kevin Pollack and they bring uh -huh. like, you know. 30 cops in to grab this one arm guy and he turns around and he goes you think you brought enough guys the way that his whole <laughs> delivery of that is just like there's like this weird comedy that runs throughout that movie yeah uh with the police lineups and everything uh but yeah, i'm right no there doubt. with you i think you and i are around the same age and the 90s you were starting to see stuff with like twist endings and it and it kind of was hitting me at the same time where it was like Oh, a movie can totally be a magic trick where you're misdirected and and mm -hmm. you know kind of played a trick on and it kind of changes how you start looking at movies and how you start 
thinking about creating things, I, I think. Sure. Uh, uh, so, yeah, this is right in that same wheelhouse where Absolutely. I saw this movie. Uh, I didn't see it in theaters, but I remember a friend like giving that to me. And it was the same time we were like uh, handing around VHS tapes of like Tarantino movies and, and you know, kind of mm -hmm. going, oh, this is all cool. And just being like, you got to sit down and watch this. And yeah. uh, and it just holy shit. What did I just see? You know, this kind yeah. of uh, ending. And and something that gets lost to in the shuffle, I feel like, is that no matter how hard you try, it's so easy to get spoiled these days. You know, like if the usual yeah. suspects had come out in 2022 or 23, it just would, in my opinion, I just don't feel like it would have had the same effect because, you know what I mean? There would have been yeah, stuff yeah, all yeah. over the place and like memes of it. And like, you know what I mean? It would just been harder to kind of keep the mystery intact you know but it, for sure it was a different time man in the 80s there's a, and 90s there's a weird thing you have to do now is like uh i remember when you reviewed the menu when it first came out and you were like just go see this before somebody ruins it for you because exactly, it is yeah. sort of like and, and when i saw the menu i'm like oh yeah i get it like like mm -hmm. you have to experience this without anybody you have to go in cold and all this kind of thing it's just yeah. hard to do now yeah it's so tough man but yeah so the usual suspects from 1995 is my number five. Solid pick, man. Thanks, brother. Over to you for number four, buddy. Uh, number four, I'm going to go with, uh, speaking of magic tricks, The Prestige from 2006. Hey. Uh, this is the movie that solidified my love of Christopher Nolan uh, and made me just kind of go, I will see anything this guy makes because uh, this movie is one of those that faded to black and credits started rolling and i just sat there in my seat uh staring staring ahead going what that oh, there's exactly uh, nikola yeah. tesla played by david bowie and uh, just so many weird pieces of the puzzle constantly moving that by the end of it there's so many reveals it's like oh christian bale is twins uh and that's not that's a big reveal, but the biggest reveal is that Hugh Jackman was the bad guy the whole time. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's, there's so many twists and turns in, in the plot, in the characters and in everything going on. It's a, it's a, a wonderful movie about obsession mm -hmm. that just executes a really complicated plot flawlessly. I think. I agree. As in my honorable mentions, it was, you know, we're talking about ordering these things and it was, this was a tough list to come up with, but it ended up falling at what would be my number seven, basically. But I love it. It's one of my favorite Nolan films. And this is like, yes, it's a plot. It's actually like two plot twists really at the end, but yeah. it's like also like just a thinking Pete, like it's a thinker, you know, like Absolutely. It, yeah, it's yeah. a plot twist, but it's not, it happens almost too seamlessly to where you yeah. almost don't even catch it really like you just go like I, what can somebody explain that to me right. and you go you know and if it was in the era of youtube which i mean it was you know getting there uh, right but it would there, be one, yeah. yeah it would be one of those where you would come home and be like the prestige ending explain you know tell yeah. me what the yes. hell is going yes. on you know? <laughs> um but yeah i mean especially upon rewatches and stuff it, yeah. it's just great how it's kind of this like commentary about the duality of man too and how you know yeah you got Bale's twins and then you have how Jackman had this guy, you know, posing as him like clone basically. Oh, that's the funniest yeah. part. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Drunk too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so good. And you know, 
Scar Joe's in there. I mean, it's just a great movie. Michael Caine. I mean, every everybody's yeah. in that. Rebecca Hall is is really yeah. good in that. It's a it's a unreal cast, man. Yeah, I agree, man. Great pick. It's some honorable mentions. Cool. Now look, dude, my number four is possibly the most depressing movie ending of all time. Oh man! <laughs> <So I> apologize. <laughs> Whoa. But you know, I know it's based on a book, and uh, forgive me, there may have even been an iteration of this movie prior to this one. I don't remember if there was, maybe like a TV movie or something. I feel like there was something out there besides the book. But anyway, it's from 2007, the one I'm talking about, and it's The Mist, directed oh, by Frank Darabont. Yeah, uh, you've seen this. I love this movie. Yeah. 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 Bro, like, I don't know how else to say it. Just like the most, I would say this is probably the most devastating plot twist. It's like nihilistic, it's, even by Stephen King yeah. standards, you know, like yeah. it's it's wild. Yeah. I mean, Thomas Jane plays the guy, you know, kind of the patriarch and they get out of this like just crazy situation. Finally, he escapes with four other people, one of which is his own son. and. Uh, you know, they think the creatures are coming after them in the mist, in the fog. Yeah. They can't see. They can only kind of hear what's going on. And they know it's it, they know it's just a, it would be a brutal death. Like it would just be, you know, just you can't even fathom how the pain and everything that would come along with it. So Thomas Jane says, all right, you know what? We're going to have to kill ourselves. Like we we shouldn't go through this. Like this is it. We're done. Puts the bullets in a gun. Turns out there's only four bullets. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to sacrifice all you guys, let all you guys go to spare you and I'll face the creatures, you know. So it turns out he kills everybody, including his own kid. And then when the mist kind of dissipates, it was just the military coming to save them. It wasn't yeah. the creatures. And it, the, the situation had kind of been solved at that point. And that's how the movie leaves you with him it's, just it's literally brutal. screaming yeah. in tears on the ground. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm just like and I didn't know the book. You know, when I saw this the first time and I, I just couldn't believe, like, I was just like, oh my God, what a fucking twist, you know? Cause I thought, especially knowing that Stephen King was the writer, I'm thinking, well, yeah, you know, Thomas Jane's going to go out there. It's going to cut to black because it doesn't want to show us what the creatures do or like he is right, going to get, right. you know, whatever. But for it to take that like emotional, like gut punch turn for a Stephen King wasn't really in his repertoire at that time. No. It was a very emotional way to end it, um, and it's just devastating. I mean, to this day, every time I think about it, I'm just like heartbroken, you know, of of that that character's fate there. So that's an that's an awesome be. pick because I I thought high and low of Stephen King. What's a Stephen King? You know, I love The Shining. I love Misery. You know that, and uh, for some reason, this one didn't dawn on me. But I, I did land a king on my honorable mention list. Um, okay. We'll get to that later. But uh, right, no, cool. I, I, I do love The Mist. And I rewatched it last year. I think it's a, a great monster movie. I think Frank was there Arab something Was there something I, prior to it? I don't know. I, there might have been like a sci-fi channel thing, I, I want to say. why I think there was something. But I could just be thinking that. Maybe there's been one since then. Like a it remake. Could be. Yeah. But it anyway. Could be. But uh yeah, I love Frank Darabont. I love, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of Walking Dead actors in in here because it was just a few years before uh, Darabont was show running that. So sure. it's a it's a it's a really cool kind of time capsule uh, movie. It's it's very much of the time it was made in. The CGI isn't 
quite there, but it kind of also doesn't matter. It's just a really right. solid horror movie that man, that ending, that ending gets me every time, man. It really does. <laughs> it really is, man. <laughs> that's a, that's an it's, awesome pick. Yeah. It's crazy, man. So the mist is my number four and we're over to you for your three, Phil. What do you got? I am going with 10 Cloverfield lane as my mm. number three. Uh, be- I love this one because it throws a couple of twists at you. Uh, the first is they kind of lean into John Goodman is a crazy man. Uh, who's holding this woman hostage and claiming there's an alien invasion. And then they put the twist on it. Oh no, there really is an alien invasion. Mm -hmm. And so it resets the reality. And then it's like another twist that says, Oh no, it's both because John Goodman is also crazy on top of the alien invasion. And you have to pick which crazy you want to, you want to live with. And I think, uh, the one thing that sort of takes away from these plot twists is that they relabeled this movie as a Cloverfield movie. So you mm-hmm. knew it was about aliens going in instead of kind of letting that just sort of be its own surprise. Right. Uh, but I, I do love this movie. I think it's a, a great sort of suspenseful sci-fi thriller. And, uh, you know, I who doesn't love John Goodman? It's yeah. just whatever kind of big performance he's putting on here. Uh, even when he's scary, you love John Goodman. Yeah. He's so good, man. I, yeah. you know, I thought he could have, I thought he could have easily been nominated for this role, man. I mean, he absolutely slayed yeah. this role. So good. And he has range. He has range all over the place in this role. Yeah. Like he's, he's the nice guy. He's the caretaker. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the scary uh, psychopathic yep. guy. It's, it's a lot yep. of things. Yep. I think it's a great pick, man. That's one that I actually want to revisit. And we were talking about watching movies with my son, and I think I'm going to do the original Cloverfield with him probably in the next year or two. Yeah. Maybe like around 11 or so. I'm going to let him watch that, and then we'll follow up with this. So I, I can't wait to kind of watch those movies with him, too. You know, Creature Features and just yeah. the whole thing. You know, I mean, John the, first one's a, the first one's a kaiju movie. It's like a Godzilla movie. Yeah. It's great. It's it, mm-hmm. and really, we watched both of these on our show last October for Halloween. And they hold up really well. They're really, really fun movies to sit down with. Cool, man. So 10 Cloverfield Lane, you're number three. You know, I didn't mean to do this. I'm sitting here looking at my list. I'm like, I guess I'm doing this, but I don't think, well, no, I guess, I guess all of mine are kind of like the plot twist comes in the final act of the movie. But this one, now look, you know, I'm a horror guy. I got the sign behind me. If there's any doubt oh, yeah. in your mind, it's my favorite genre of film. Now this franchise kind of has kind of like, gone downhill since the original like a little bit each time it gets a little worse in my opinion there's some good scenes and stuff like that but nothing will match up to the original saw from 2004 and the ending of saw oh yeah when yeah yeah. jigsaw basically i mean we find out that he was basically the corpse that was on the floor the whole time in the in the rest stop bathroom or whatever and then he just like stands up you know, if I get, you're like, what? And it goes slow motion. And it's yeah, like, you yeah, realize yeah. he was orchestrating the whole game the whole time. And was just literally playing dead uh, throughout the entire movie. It's, uh, uh, it's been a while since I've seen saw and I didn't see any of the, any of the sequels, but I do. I, it took me a minute to remember it, but it's like, Oh yeah. There's like a, as Carrie always like saw his foot off and yes, um, I mean, yes. there's, I mean, he drives him to the extremes and he's like, no, nah, I was here the whole time. 
I was right here, man. Yeah. And he gets up and then he says game over and shuts the door. And then a franchise is born. I mean, they've done like 10 of them. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, horror franchises aren't a new thing, but it was just so inventive and so innovative. And like, it just really took everybody by surprise. Cause you think you're kind of watching this like diabolical psychological yeah. horror movie, which I mean, you are, but you just didn't expect it didn't seem like the kind of movie that would come with like a huge twist. You know what I mean? You were just going to kind of sure. find out who the killer was or like whatever, but, uh, but yeah, jigsaw and we kind of learned his whole deal. And then, like I said, the whole franchise has kind of been built around that. And Tobin bell who portrays jigsaw and the voice of jigsaw is now a, a horror icon. And it all started here. And Lee Winnell is the other guy in the bathroom, and he's a very famous horror director now. He just did The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss a couple years ago. Oh, that's a that movie's solid as hell. That's really good. Yeah. 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 So a lot of great kind of like lineage in the horror genre, too, that started here in 2004 with Saw. But I just remember seeing it in a theater, and, and me and my buddy Bob that I saw it with, it was, we were just like, we couldn't believe it. I mean, we were just like, this is the greatest shit I've ever seen in my right. life. Like, they really got <laughs> us, you know? And we're like, when can we bring people to see this, you know, so they can be, we can watch their minds be blown as it's happening, you know? So that's, that's great. Uh, it's nice to revisit it with people that haven't seen it for that reason, too. So uh, the ending of Saw is my number three. And we're up to our runner ups. Good deal. Phil Rude, what do you got over there? Number two, man. Number two, I got a movie I feel like is overlooked in the Denzel Washington filmography, and I chose Book of Eli from Ooh, okay. uh, 2010. I think this movie is great in its its themes. It's got themes about spirituality. It's got themes of uh, exploiting spirituality for gain. Uh, Gary Oldman's, the, you know, he's the goat anyway, but he's just such a great bad guy in this. Uh, this movie has Tom Waits. This movie has uh, one of the Dumbledores um, and Mila Kunis. But the big twist at the end when you figure out the Bible is useless to everyone else because it's in Braille and Eli is blind and he is legitimately a prophet of God. Um, and it yeah, is no, just, great. I, I love the way this movie ties up all these threads and brings them home in the most inventive way uh, and and sort of seals up uh the you know the lesson of of spirituality that it's trying to get across to people and i just also think it's just a i love watching denzel be a badass and uh there's some great action scenes in this and also i just think it's a great largely quiet performance from him you know he's, mm -hmm. he's playing this kind of stoic guy i love denzel washington anyway and uh uh, Book of Eli is just, I think it's a powerhouse movie. Yeah, great pick. It's one that I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. Uh, but I did see it on a couple of lists, and I do remember being taken aback by the kind of twist there about he, that he was blind. And Yeah. And I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't go wrong with Denzel, man. I mean, no. I mean, even like a bad Denzel movie, you're like, well, at least we got Denzel here. It's just <laughs> a really like, good time, man. You're you like, know? that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, no, I agree he's, with you, man. He's one of the greatest. Yeah. So Book of Eli is your number two. There you go. It's one that two. I need to revisit. I like it. I recommend revisiting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I need to for sure. I love that movie, though. So for me, man, it's one of my all-time faves. It's one of my favorite filmmakers. It's got one of my favorite actors of all time in it. It's got a mind-bending plot twist, which really makes you kind of question the things that you had seen leading up to it. And the whole, the whole 
kind of like what you said at the beginning of this episode, the whole kind of structure of the movie changes once the twist comes in. But it's uh, 1999's Fight Club by Mr. David Fincher. Uh, let, let me kick my number one out there because that is that is my number one. That's our crossover. Uh, That's our crossover, man. That's fine. I'm glad. Let's talk I mean, about it. I'll, yeah, I'll let you talk about it too. But I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we're kind of all these are kind of hit me the same way in terms of like I didn't see them coming, and this is possibly the biggest one that I just didn't see coming. Like yeah. Fincher gave us little puzzle pieces and little clues, but. You you see him on rewatches, but the initial viewing, you just kind of think it's this like weird friendship thing, mentor protege kind of thing that's being formed throughout it. And then Brad Pitt's charisma, especially. I mean, Edward yeah. Norton does great in this movie too, but you know, Pitt's charisma is Tyler Durden, and he's just so fucking cool and like mysterious and like I don't know. I was just kind of drawn to that as a viewer that I wasn't. I didn't even think about what ends up happening. Uh, and then when it does, it's just like, oh my God. And you just start replaying all the different things in your mind. And I, I love this movie. It's my second favorite venture, only to seven. Uh, maybe social networks in there too. Yeah, I'm right in that same wheelhouse of, of yeah. top venture as well. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt, man. So yeah, Fight Club is my number two. And you, you got a number one, so you I must have similar feelings. Uh, yeah, Fight Club is just a, a kind of an all-time favorite for me because, uh, it uh, again, of the time I saw it, of the time it hit me, uh, it's on the heels of, spoiler alert to my runner-up, uh, The Sixth Sense. This time in the 90s, you know, Usual Suspects right before that, twist endings were huge in the 90s, but so few of them, I think, did it as well as as something like Fight Club. Uh, this was a movie my wife saw it. We weren't living together uh we weren't married at the time either we weren't married and living separately <laughs> but, like, uh, <laughs> uh, but she she had told me she's like you gotta you gotta check this movie out when you get off work one night you know and you got time and then i saw it and called her it was like you unbelievable movie and then we watch it together and uh that's when we were going there's the yin yang coffee table that's that's both sides of him you know that's in and calling out all the little things that we could see mm -hmm. in in the movie that were and then you know we got to the end of it and we were like they were telling us the whole time what was going yep. on and uh yep. uh since then i've i've read the book and it this is one of those things where i like i love the book but honestly the twist we're talking about plot twists i think it it has so much more impact in the movie, um, the way the movie handles it as opposed to the book. Uh, it's just it's just one of the all time great shell shock moments for me uh, and part of just such a unique and great movie that is is one of my all time uh, favorites. That's why this was the first movie Austin and I reviewed on our podcast was because yeah. I was introducing him to this movie yeah, that he had heard me rave about for years. And I'm, I'm like, sit down, we're watching this movie and then we're going to talk about it. And we spontaneously <laughs> started the podcast on the back of fight club. So, you know, I went to, I went to see this movie and, um, it was before my first wife, it was before I had gotten married though. It was about a year before we got married. And I said, you know, you got to go see this with me. I went, cause I went to see it with a buddy of mine. Yeah. So I got her to come along for my second viewing. Didn't tell her anything, you know? And her dad came. <laughs> you know, we're friendly or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. You know, there's action in it. Like, he'll like it, whatever. And I could just remember after the movie, 
my girlfriend's dad going, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, what did you bring me to see? And that just perfectly kind of sums up Fight Club when you see yeah, it that yeah. first time. You I'm just looking don't at meatloaf really with tits. I'm looking yeah, at, you, you know, like, you just what, don't what really know what you saw. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. So that, so that's your number one. Yes, that was sir. my number. That was my number two. So I guess the only thing left to reveal is my number one. And you mentioned it. It's the Sixth Sense. Uh, it's, M. Night. It's hard not M. to Night put Shyamalan. it on the list. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan. It's made him a name. It made him the plot twist person. Every This poor guy, everything he's ever done since this movie, people are like, is it going to be as good of a twist? And spoiler alert, it will not be. I mean, this it will was, not be. Right. Especially because of the time when it came out, like kind of what we were saying before. You know, like I just saw Knock at the Cabin this year. It's really good. And this one, I haven't seen Knock it yet. The, yeah. Yeah. Knock at the Cabin doesn't really have a plot twist, which kind of is the plot twist because it's a Shyamalan movie <laughs> in a roundabout way. But but the sixth sense, you know, I just I remember watching it with my grandmother the first time and she is a like. Nancy Drew, like Matlock, like murder. She wrote like the she mysteries. was one of those yeah. people. Yeah, she was one of those people that would figure out anything like you couldn't get anything past her very rarely she'd figure out who the killer was on all these insight ncis show like all that shit she knew yep. all that right but she did not figure out the sixth sense and she was floored by that we're watching it at her house and she's floored by it so was i i, wa- I had to watch it again shortly thereafter just to kind of catch the stuff that Shyamalan puts in there that again kind of tells us uh but we just don't pick up on it that first viewing but it was just such an inventive way to like tell a ghost story, you know, cause essentially it's a ghost story, but it's kind of told through the eyes of the ghost, you know, in a, in a, in a weird way, which is, which was a new thing. And I, I, it's still one of my favorites. I just actually introduced my son to this one. I was telling you, Phil. So oh, that's I great. started kind of, yeah. started kind of showing him not, you know, horror, you know, necessarily, but right, like right. he saw this one, he saw signs, which he also really liked. I love so just kind of starting. Yeah introduce him to stuff but yeah it's um it's one of those that has your mouth open when it happens and then you just kind of start replaying it in your mind a little bit so you're a fan of this one too i assume yeah i'm a i'm a Shyamalan apologist man i think i think he makes a lot more good movies than he gets credit for and even his bad movies are interesting i watched old last year and i'm Mm -hmm. like that's not a great movie but it's an interesting movie and, yeah, yeah. and I, I think uh, his biggest sin is that he made The Sixth Sense first. He made his mm-hmm. best movie first. And it's it's hard to follow that up. Um, I know. I feel bad for the guy. Uh, Unbreakable's uh, a, a close second for me. But I also love The Village a lot. Yeah. And, and Signs. Uh, this, is, this is a great movie. I think there's, you know, you got Tony Collette and uh Haley Joel so Osment and I think this is Bruce Willis's uh best dramatic performance by by a mile I think yeah. he's so good in this uh it's so sad to see what's going on with him right now yeah, no. uh, yeah bummer it, it, yeah. but uh you know we got these great performances in a movie like this where where he really turned in some real character work you know what I mean it wasn't just die hard again or or right. something like that it was uh, this I felt like such a departure for him, uh, but the Sixth Sense is great. It's a great ghost story. It's a great sort of, I, th- I think that's a great horror introduction for your kids. Yeah. Something that's scary but not gory, and 
and yeah. too adult and and still grounded and kind of a positive ending to it too. Yeah, for sure, man. So I, I love that when I revisit it and I still like it and I love seeing people's reaction when they find out. And, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of like what you said. It's crazy that the guy started with this movie. I mean, it was so good. Yeah. You know, it was written so well. And to your point, too, when it comes to Shyamalan, like on paper, all of this stuff is a home run. It's just how does it translate to cinema? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like even even like the happening is like laughable. But if you like read it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it's like you there's said, it's an interesting. Idea, there's an idea behind it for sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. All right, so there you go. So the sixth sense, my number one. Uh, Phil, we're gonna give some honorable mentions, and uh, we'll shout out the fans online too, and see what they had to say. Before we do that, let's take a quick promo break, and when we come back, we will wrap up with our honorable mentions. Everybody, sit tight. We will be right back. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there is a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes, just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. Welcome back, guys. Phil Root is here from the picture show and drawing art of me naked in a Titanic sun. (laughs) (laughs) Here he is. So we just discussed our top five movie plot twist. Phil, just remind everybody what your five was again. Uh, Number five, I had Arrival from 2016. Uh, Number four, I had The Prestige. Number three was 10 Cloverfield Lane. Number two, I had The Book of Eli. And number one was David Fincher's Fight Club. Nice. Nice list, man. My number five was The Usual Suspects. Number four was The Mist. Number three was Saw. My number two was Fight Club. And my number one was The Sixth Sense. So there we go. Uh, Phil, you got some honorables over there, buddy. What didn't quite crack your top five that you want to shout out? Just barely off the list was your number one, The Sixth Sense. Um, But that and Fight Club, I was like, he's going to have them on there. I don't need to put them both on there. Yeah, but uh, yes. Uh, as, aside from that one, I had, uh, the Shawshank Redemption. Speaking of mm-hmm. Frank Darabont, I love the idea that, uh, surprise, it's a prison break movie. Um, yeah. I also had the Lego movie. I love the reveal at the end that, uh, these are his dad's precious Legos. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And a, uh, plot twist that has been lost to time and prequels. The Empire Strikes Back. Luke, I am your father. Recontextualizes yeah. two whole movies, but. That's a generational thing because that's not a surprise to anybody when they watch The Empire Strikes Back anymore. Um, younger kids see the prequels yeah, first. Agreed. It's a it's a whole different experience than when we were kids watching the Star Wars trilogy. Oh, without a doubt. And that actually is the one I was talking about at the top of the episode. Uh, it was in my what the fuck moments. Oh, yeah. Be- because it's, when it's, I saw it initially, I was a kid. It's a great one, I, yeah. I was a kid and I did, I, you know, 
I mean, there were, the internet wasn't even around then. I'm dating right. myself, but you know, my dad's like, you want to watch this? And he, and he knew, I mean, he was like, you know, waiting to see what my reaction was. And it literally was like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, it, it was a great, great plot twist. And like you said, it just changes the entire franchise. Literally. For sure. So, uh, my number six would have been Parasite a movie that came out a few years ago. Uh, one of my favorite movies of the last decade. It's a fairly recent film, but have you seen it? I don't want to spoil. No, that's a big blind spot for me right now. I still have not seen it. I'm going to hang tight, but there's something that happens uh, roughly around the halfway point of this movie where it literally changes the entire landscape of the film. Uh, The first half of the movie, you settle in, you're like, okay, this is what this is going to be. And it's great, but then something happens and the rest of the movie is literally a nightmare like it's not even <laughs> the fucking same movie that you're watching <laughs> oh, and it's because of what you discover halfway through it so i definitely recommend you give it a give it a shot uh you mentioned my number seven which would have been the prestige my number eight is a movie called primal fear so edward edward norton showing up again oh, i know that movie yeah yeah so the reveal kind of in the last act of that he didn't really have a split personality and he was just you know playing richard gear basically to get off you know right um so great performance by norton turned in there my number nine uh came out a year later or the same year, but a few months later after The Sixth Sense, but it was The Others with Nicole Kidman. Oh, I never saw that one, uh, but that's a that's a ghost story too, right? Do you know the twist then? I don't want to tell you if you don't know. I, I, no, I haven't paid enough attention to All it. Right, but I'm yeah. not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you, but uh, <laughs> right. it is a ghost story. It is a ghost okay. story, and there there is a twist in it. And I feel like it got a bad rap because it came out like six months after The Sixth Sense, and everybody was kind of like, well, bad you can't timing. beat that. Yeah, Yeah, but you know. And then my number 10 would have been a movie called Identity. Did you ever see Identity? It came out in 2003. I watched Identity uh, like like a year ago. Yeah. Um, th- what John Cusack, right? That's right. John Cusack yeah. uh, came out in 2003, directed by James Mangold, who went on to do Logan and Walk the Line. Walk the Line. Other great stuff. Yep. But yeah, I just love this movie, too, because the... Uh, the, the guy in the mental hospital is being questioned about the crime, and he's retelling the crime um and we're trying to figure out who the killer is as he's telling the story and then the twist that we find out is that the story that he's telling everything was in his mind so all the characters are part of his personality and including john cusack as the detective or whatever and he was actually the killer the person that's been kind of telling us the story so it was a mind-bending like kind of mind fuck kind of plot twist but it really got me, you know, and I love the Hitchcock nature of the film. And uh, it's kind of a split movie. I've seen people hate it and, and people the like last me half love it. Of, the last half of that movie, after the the reveal, it loses me. But up until you know what's going on, it's really engaging because you're like, what the hell is going on? And why do they all know the same rhyme? Like the right, 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 uh, right, right. When I was going up the stairs, I met a man who wasn't there. It's it, exactly uh, it keeps repeating through. And it's it's real creepy and really weird. Um, But it, it seems to for me, it falls apart at the end a little bit. But uh, it's a really engaging movie up until then. Yeah, no, that makes uh, sense. I get it's it. a solid pick for sure, because the twist is straight out of left field. Yeah, for sure. You know, it was just one of those mental ones that you just didn't really see coming. Psychological, you know? Yeah. All right, Phil. Well, that was a lot of fun, man. So how we end every episode is we head over to social media and we open up the old suggestion box and we see what the fans had to say over there. So I just said, what are some of the biggest movie plot twists of all time? So let's shout out some fans, Phil, and see if they mentioned any that we maybe didn't get to tonight. 
My buddy Michael, also a patron of the of the show, he says, "Primal Fear." Now you see me. Fight Club, The Empire Strikes Back, and The Sixth Sense. That would be his top five. Uh, no surprise here. Joey DiCarlo says Fight Club. Let's see. Brett from Dissect That Film says Fight Club, The Sixth Sense, The Village, and The Others. You know, The Village, and I know you mentioned that you really like that one. I like The Village a lot, yeah. I do too. Did you feel like Shyamalan kind of like went a little overboard with the plot twist at the end of that one though? Because it was kind of like three or four. <laughs> a, a twist on a twist on a twist on that one. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was. I was. Yeah. Uh, what do they call it? A hat on a hat, or or gilding I'm the like, lily a what? little bit. It was. It was a lot like, of oh like. Uh, now we're doing this, and now we're doing this. You know, and it's just sort of like calm down. Let's stay on one track here, man. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you but get a little the, uh, plot twist. The overall there. vibe of that movie, I I dig a lot. I th- yeah, me too. Sometimes me too. that's yeah, just a movie to put on when you're doing other stuff or working in the office or something. But yeah, I really like that one too. Yeah, uh, let's see. Jared, patron in front of the show, says the usual suspects. Seven yep. uh, saw. The Crying Game and Planet of the Apes from 1968. Oh, Planet of the Apes is a great pick, man. That's I can't believe where you... either of us picked that one. <laughs> I thought about it, but I haven't seen it in so long. But I guess the plot twist is that it's Earth, right? Isn't that what yes. the twist is? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And then The Crying Game, um, of course, was also a huge twist. <laughs> if you saw that, what had happened? You're like, what the, what? <laughs> I wasn't uh, expecting that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Tony Dobbish, patron in front of the show, says Old Boy, which is a good one. Real, Old Boy is a one. really good one, too. Yeah. 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 That's another gut wrenching one, you know? Uh, he also says Soylent Green, The Mist, and Arlington Road. What do you think about those? I don't know Arlington Road, but uh, Soylent Green is super famous. Yeah, Soylent yeah. Green is people. That's the one where they find out they're eating people. Yeah, yeah that's a. Uh, I was trying to think of older stuff, and for some reason, I just hit a block of. Uh, I kind of stayed in in my movie era. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I, obviously, I did too, for the most part. Uh, Paul, our buddy from the countdown over in Australia, he says the usual suspects, the sixth sense and frailty. Frailty is oh, a frailty. good one that came up recently on my show and I need to revisit it. It's the one with McConaughey. And uh, um, is that Kevin Bacon? In, or uh... um, It's got Matthew McConaughey and he uh, I've tried to remember what the actual twist is, but it's also um, like a man versus the devil movie, too, because there's a. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I haven't seen it in so long, and it just came up on another episode I did yeah. recently too. My guest brought it to the table. I need to uh, I need to revisit that one because I haven't seen it since it came out. But let's see. Uh, we just mentioned Travis, so here you go. Here's Travis Crawford's list. He says the usual suspects, the others, Confidence, Primal Fear, Old Boy, and Pandorum, and then he also says Sleepaway Camp. So I don't know Confidence. Do you? I don't know that one. No, I don't either. Uh, Sleepaway Camp's a good one, kind of in the vein of the crying it's game as well. More horror, yep. Yeah, for sure. That's a great camp slasher, though, to this day, an 80s film that I love. Uh, Chris Yanni, patron in front of the show, says Old Boy, The Game, and Gone Girl. Gone Girl's a good one. It's one I considered. Gone Girl is uh, a good one. So is The Game, uh, early yeah. Fincher. Fincher, yeah. Uh, with Michael Douglas. That, that movie's really solid, too. Yeah, Fincher, love, Fincher loves the plot twist, apparently, but both of those are good ones, too. Um, Peter yeah. from Podstalgic and Cobra Kai says Primal Fear, but he's also going to say Basic with John Travolta and Samuel Jackson. 
which I've seen, but I don't know that oh, I remember the plot twist. I don't remember it. I know I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. My friend Liz says Primal Fear, The Sixth Sense, Gone Girl, and the best one has got to be The Empire Strikes Back. I'm your father. And then let's end on, I got a couple patrons here, so let's end on them. Um, David Powell, he's a great dude, but he always lists like 50 movies. So I'm going to give his top three here. He says, <laughs> he says, Usual Suspects, Seven, What's in the Box, and No Way Out, the Kevin Costner movie. Uh, that's a good film. That's uh, Madeline Stowe and Anthony Quinn, I believe, as well. Uh, but yeah, that's a good one. I never saw that one, but uh... yeah. And then uh, Jay Talbot, uh, we'll end on him. He says, Predestination is his list. What's both of Predestination? Know I know it, but I can't replace it right now. I was hoping you'd be able to tell me what that was. <laughs> Put you uh, on the spot. I'm, I'm useless here. I'm still hung up on... I, I... I can't believe uh, I didn't think of Old Boy because that is uh, that is one that scarred me, man. Yeah, that's a good that's a good one, and that's uh, heavy heavy material there too. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go, man. So Phil Rude, this was a lot of fun, buddy. I appreciate it, and it um, I, I I'm so glad you finally made your way over to the show, and hopefully you'll come back sooner than later, man, because it was a lot of fun. Anytime, man. I appreciate you having me. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely, uh, brother. Just the fact that I, I dragged my brain over coals trying to sort, just narrow it down to five. That I was know. so hard. Sorry, but, but Sorry well to torture you, man, but, yeah. but you did great. You did great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Just remind everybody where they can find you out there on social media, buddy. I am uh, at Phil Rude on Twitter, at Phil Rude 75 on Instagram, uh, various other places. But check out The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude uh, wherever you get podcasts. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in this week, and thank you so much once again to Phil for being here. Guys, until next week, we will see you then. Until then, everybody, take care. <laughs>